to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Uh, This morning we are continuing with our witness series from the book of Acts. I'm going to get straight into reading from Acts 2.42. But before I do this, I just want to reiterate what has happened In the story leading up to this point, so we had Jesus' ascension, we had the moment of Holy Spirit coming down, we had Peter's incredible message where we saw 3,000 people saved. Crazy, I wish I could do that Um, one day. Um, And then that, that is where we find ourselves. We have all these new believers and we kick off in Acts 2 verse 42. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. A little bit further on in verse 36 we read, Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Sounds nice. Verse 47, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Rhythm. It's a a strong, regular, repeating pattern. Rhythm, something I have very little of when it comes to musically being gifted or dancingly being gifted. So if everyone could just stand... No, I'm just not going to do that. We're not not dancing this morning. Um, But rhythm, uh, patterns. In all of creation, we can see strong, repeated, regular, repeated patterns. And it doesn't take much to look around us to notice these. We have nature. We have seasons in our social structures. We rock up every Sunday. And uh, there are many, many things. The way we keep time, day, months, weeks. In science, we have constants like gravitational constant. In biology, we have things like the life cycles of cells. And people who do sport know this very well. Shout out to my mom who's doing a half Ironman as we speak. Um, Crazy. Um, And we have our college students who did college over the past year. They have surely formed strong, regular, repeating patterns. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that you would struggle to find anything in nature or man-made of any significance that is completely devoid of these strong, regular, repeated patterns. Almost as though, crazy idea, it's fundamentally ingrained within creation. So is it at all a surprise then when we see this moment, this day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit is poured out, um, indwelling people, um, filling them, empowering them, all these crazy things. When God shows up, i.e. the creator, that what we see flow out, what the natural flow on is, is exactly this. Strong regular, repeated patterns in these new believers. Or stated otherwise, what we see flow out of these new believers is their witness to God and to those around them. In verse 42, we read there, it said, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. And in honor of college, we're doing a little exegesis this morning. Um, there, we're looking at this bit. At the start of this verse where it says, they were continually devoting. It's a Greek word. Now, I'm going to butcher this so badly. Um, proskarteruntes is the word. Proskarteruntes. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
practiced all week. Um, this is a verb, which is a, by definition, a doing word. It conveys a, se a sense of steadfast and persistent dedication, not just a passive agreement, but an active, continual commitment. It implies a focused and disciplined adherence to something. In verse 46 we read, Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. What word do you think we find within the first little bit of that verse there again? Proskarteruntes. Again, a second time. They're trying to say something here. This is a verb that conveys a steadfast and persistent dedication, not just a passive agreement, but an active, continual commitment. And I just want to clarify, this is not some form of works righteousness. They weren't trying to earn or prove anything with this persistent, constant dedication. If anything, these people had a much greater sense of what Jesus' victory was like. They literally just saw him die and raise from the dead. And like they, the victory, the sense of, of this is ours was so new and so true to them in that moment that what we see, these habits that they had, this was a dedication. It was an overflow of Holy Spirit empowerment. And it was a form of worship. That's, that was their response to the sacrificial love of Christ um, and this was their witness of love to that sacrifice that they saw. And if in your head you have this image of all these people, it's just like one big party nonstop and like nothing else is happening except this. And you're like, well, it's really easy if like everyone's only doing this. Like it's not that big of like, you know, um, if that's kind of the image you have in your head, I'm sorry to say that's quite not what is correct for these people. Just their lives continued on. It's not like everything stopped and all of existence froze so they could just be in this perfect, easy to do state, but they had work. They had family life. They had busyness. They had meetings. They had everything that continued on just like for us today. But what they also had was a steadfast, united in fellowship persistent dedication that was not a passive agreement, but an active, continual commitment. They let their commitment and their devotion be their witness. They let it be their witness. So you ask yourself, what, well, they're, they're talking a lot about a lot of commitment, a lot of dedication and devotion. What were they so dedicated and committed and devoted to? Well, it says in the passage quite clearly, number one, apostles' teaching, two, Prayer, three, fellowship. Apostles' teaching, prayer, fellowship. Hmm, where would I have heard something similar to this before? Maybe second circle of the purpose circles? Oh, Bible, prayer, discipleship, community. It's almost like our pastors, you know, look into these things. Um, these are the key focal points of these early believers. The Bible, prayer, discipleship community, that is what they continually dedicated themselves towards. And this is the bit that I like coming up here. In verse 47, it says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. 
there's no mention here of, and also through all the shouting in all the streets, or also because of all their unbelievable, crazy achievements, the Lord was adding to the number day by day. Now, I'm not saying there wasn't preaching. And I'm not saying there wasn't miracles taking place. I'm sure there was. But in this context, in this verse, we're focusing in on the daily united together rhythms of these believers. And what it actually says is that the outflow of this was... The Lord was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. Their devotion was their part. They showed up. They did their daily rhythms, Bible, prayer, community. That was their worship to the Lord. And the Lord shows up and does their part, adding to their numbers day by day. They're steadfast, united together in fellowship. Persistent dedication was not a passive agreement, but an active continual commitment. Again, it was their witness. And so then the question becomes quite obviously for us in this context, well, if I could look at their lives and their lives witnessed to God, it was a witness to those around them, what does our daily, weekly, and monthly rhythms say about what we're witnessing to? What is your life witnessing to? What is your daily calendar, your weekly calendar, your monthly calendar? What does that say about what we are witnessing to? What strong, regular, repeating patterns should we be looking at putting down? And what strong, regular, repeating patterns could we be maybe picking up? What habits should be thrown out? What habits should be put on the shelf? And what habits should be starting? The purpose circles might be an incredible place for this to get started. This might be a catalyst for you in your life as you embark on a new, maybe new adventure or you're taking a new step into this space that there is an incredible amount of resources about the word, about prayer. And maybe even it would be coming along to more Wednesday night gather meetings as in fellowship together doing this, letting that be our witness Or maybe it's even taking a bolder step like some of the people in here who did college and stepping out and making a decision that I'm going to start a new pattern in my life, a new rhythm that shows my witness to God and to those around me. And so it doesn't matter where we're at. It doesn't matter if we're at the top or at the bottom of where we feel that we're at. I want to encourage every one of us that Christ's selfish, sacrificial love transformed these new believers here in Acts. It sparked this steadfast, united and fellowship dedication. And I want to invite all of us to have an open heart daily to being transformed, to being, being a witness to his goodness, to his sacrificial love, and to form these God-honoring daily rhythms as we go through our day by day. We don't want to be stuck in a place where our calendar speaks volumes, but there's no God-honoring part present in it. We don't want to have a calendar that speaks volumes to how much we enjoy doing all the little things that don't you know, bring honor to God or witness to those around us about his love. Not saying it's, we should always be doing everything perfectly, but rhythms, daily rhythms of honoring him for his sacrificial love, witnessing to those around us. I'm just going to finish off with a prayer here if we all close our eyes. Lord God, we thank you that you died on the cross for us all here.
thank you for your victory and freedom that was purchased, for sending Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to empower us. May we not take this for granted, but let us form these God-honoring, life-giving, witnessing to your sacrificial love rhythms in our day-to-day, our week-to-week, and our month-to-month, Lord God. Allow us to shine bright as your witnesses, just as these believers in Acts did, to everyone around us, be a witness to your love. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Jerris, for hearing me out this morning. I'd like to welcome up Pastor Genevieve. Thank you, MJ. What a great challenge to us all, timely reminder to get our rhythms right. And Acts is a beautiful reminder to us of what the early church looked like. And it can perhaps feel a little bit like, well, that was a long, long time ago. But it actually is a really good roadmap for us as to how to live and and how to do various things. And especially when we look at Paul and his companions like Silas and Timothy, who just lived to witness and glorify Jesus and to spread the gospel as far as they possibly could. And looking to them as um, heroes of the faith, as people to look to, we're going to have a little look at some more about what Paul does a bit later in Acts here. Last week, Pastor M spoke out of the fact that Paul and Silas landed up in prison as a part of their witnessing journey. And uh, we're going to take a little look at what happens after they get out of prison there. So from Philippi, which is where they were in prison, they went to Thessalonica. So they're out of prison. There must be a feeling of freedom, right? They go to Thessalonica, Paul preaches, and they are run out of town by an angry mob. That is not the response we like to preaching. Just putting that out there. From there, he moves to Berea, and the response is a little bit more positive, but then some of the Jews from Thessalonica found out that they were there, followed him, and gave him a hard time there as well. So then Paul goes to the coast, he goes to Athens, and he's waiting there for Silas and Timothy. So if we have a look at this, witnessing in Paul's experience, is not easy. And although we don't live somewhere where if we share our faith, we're going to land up in prison, there's possibly, if we're honest, a little feeling in our gut that if we do step out and share our faith, something bad or uncomfortable might happen to us. Anyone else got those feels sometimes? So we're going to take a look at Acts 17, what happens to Paul in Athens, and hopefully be encouraged and take away some practical thoughts on witnessing. All right, Acts 17, verses 16 to 34. We have Paul in Athens. While Paul was waiting for them... Timothy and Silas, in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Sounds like our world. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Also not the response you want to your preaching. Others remarked, well, he seems to be advocating for some foreign gods. And they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Sounds a bit like social media. 
Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I've walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. So you are very ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. He's going to fill in the gaps for them. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day where he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof to this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. So Paul's in Athens. I think there's some things here for us to glean about being a witness of Jesus. Firstly, witnessing is truth in love. In verse 16, Paul is really distressed that the city of Athens is full of idols. He can see all the false things, all the wrong things, all the upsetting things, and he wants to bring the truth. In the Amplified, it says that Paul was grieved and roused to anger. Anyone else sometimes feel that way about a world around us? We can all get this feeling. Paul is amidst all the idols and false teaching, but he actually isn't intimidated and he isn't fearful and he doesn't speak out of anger or distress. Our witness too is best delivered wrapped in love, in mercy, in grace, rather than out of any anger or frustration or disappointment or fear that we might be feeling. So let's be careful how we use our words, how we type things on social media, how we respond to things, because witnessing needs to be in love. Secondly, witnessing is a process. In verse 17, Paul starts with speaking to the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks. So he's seen the state of Athens. He goes to church, hangs out in the synagogue. He gathers with a church community first and then goes out from there to the marketplace daily where he talks to those who just happen to be there, ordinary people living ordinary lives. Well, we can do the same. We come to church, we gather, we can be encouraged. We can even practice telling our story, our testimony to one another, like Tegan did this morning. Thank you, Tegan. It was beautiful. 
We can do that. We can be here and then go out there. And so this is what Paul models. From here, he finds himself debating with Epicurean and Stoic philosophers who give him a really hard time. They call him a babbler. And when I looked that up, the words there, pretty much they translate to the equivalent of being like a crow scavenging through garbage for your ideas. So this is quite the term of abuse, okay? They are not respecting at all what Paul has got to say. So that's not not too good for him. From there, he's called to the Areopagus, which was where the highest philosophers debated and where city officials held trials for murder and uh, crimes against public order. Now, Paul had just been kicked out of a couple of places pretty much for crimes against public order. So although this is an important place for him to witness, it's probably a really scary place as well. But this is where God leads him. But people, this isn't where God put him first. There's a process. So we too can practice small. We can share our story with like-minded people in church and in our friendships here. And then from here, we can speak to people in our daily lives in just a natural way of sharing how much we love Jesus. And at this time of the year, it's really quite natural to talk about Jesus, going to church, Christmas carols. We've got a really easy opening in December. So we can practice small and then ask God to increase our opportunities and openness for some of those more difficult conversations. Thirdly, witnessing is connecting. Paul was angry about and distressed by the idols all around him, but he doesn't show it. Instead, he uses it as a point of connection to his audience. In verse 22, he says, People of Athens, I see that you are religious in very many ways. So he doesn't condemn them. He uses that as a point of connection. Like myself, with my love for God, you too, Athenians, are religious. But then he moves there from that point of common ground and encouragement. He moves. And he says in verse 23, I've noticed you have an altar to an unknown God. And then he uses that again to be an opportunity to glorify Jesus. In verse 28, he actually quotes two lines from two different classical Greek poets, language that these educated Athenians would have recognised as their own. He uses that to illuminate the nature of God. So he builds connection, establishes common ground and uses language that is easily understood. People, we can do the same. We can look for common ground. We can recognise we all need Jesus. We all fall short and need his grace. And we can use words that everyone can understand as we witness. Number four, lastly, witnessing is knowing God. And this is where sometimes I think we stumble a bit. We don't want to put ourselves out there in case we're exposed for not knowing exactly all the answers. And it's okay not to know all the answers. Paul knows God's nature. And across verses 24 to 29, he manages to weave in all of this about God. He says, God made the world and everything in it. God does not live in temples made by human hands. He does not need anything from humans. God gives us life and breath. God created mankind, history, and is in charge of time. God wants us to seek him and find him. God is close to us. 
God wants a relationship so close that in him we live and breathe and have our being. And God calls us his children. So he carries these big picture and intimate ideas about God to his audience really quite succinctly. And if we're going to be witnesses of our God, we too need to know our God. We need to spend time close with him. And as I said, it's okay not to have all the answers, but maybe like some of our beautiful people here who've done college this year, maybe 2024 college is calling you to a deeper understanding of our God and his word. Bedin, I'd love you to jump up if you can. That'd be so good. So what is the outcome here for Paul in Athens? He puts himself out there, he witnesses. Well, in verses 32 to 34, we see that not everyone came to believe. Some people still sneered at him, and that's going to be our experience too. Some people wanted him to speak on this topic again. Witnessing is not a one-time thing, you know. Put yourself out there, tick, person comes to the Lord. It takes time and relationship and, and being consistent. But some did believe. Some did choose to follow Paul and learn more about Jesus, including one of those important members of the Areopagus. Like, he got to people, high up people, everyday people. And there is nothing quite like the joy of leading someone to Jesus. Ha! There really is nothing like it. I wish I could spend every second of every day leading people to Jesus. That is the most beautiful, beautiful thing we can do. In Luke 15, 7, Jesus says, There is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who don't need to. We all have one person in our lives who needs to hear our story about Jesus. And you know what's on the other side of that for us is joy. So much joy. Why would we not want that? So people, let's step over ourselves. Let's decide to be a little more courageous. Let's see with love the people around us who are yet to know the amazing love of Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.